Today's episode of The Full 60 is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you, something I need right now, with indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home. We're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. This week's guest is USHL Commissioner Tom Garrity, and we recorded this we recorded a couple weeks ago, and it was during a very important time for the USHL, because top prospect Adam Fentilli had decided he's going to play in the USHL um, for the Chicago Steel, and that's really big news when a blue chip prospect like that from Canada commits to playing in the United States Hockey League like it was it's a big deal and I also wanted Tom on uh, for a number of reasons I've, I've long been fascinated by the U- USHL as a development league in its setup and its franchises I, I think it stems back to conversations I used to have with Ryan Suter who is a he's involved in the the franchise in Madison um, so all these questions I've always wanted to ask, you know, how much would it cost to buy into one of these franchises? What's it like? How do you, how do you grow a league like this? Um, I got this opportunity with Tom and, and he was great. And we got into, of course, his path. Uh, how do you become the commissioner of the USHL, especially when you're a, I don't know if self-proclaimed is, is, is the right phrase here, but he's, he's like, I'm not a hockey guy or, or not by the traditional sense of the, of the phrase. So, uh, just a really fun conversation, a good time to share it, and I hope you enjoy. So here it is, the full 60 with USHL Commissioner Tom Garrity. All right, Tom, well, first of all, well, I, the way I've been starting a lot of this is is how, how's, how are you holding up and trying to adjust to the, the new normal, both kind of personally and running Yeah, the thanks. Um, well, yeah, it's it's been definitely... Uh couple two three weeks now that's been i think uh it's hard to even put into words i'm sure for you guys as yeah. well um so we're doing well so far you know and um you know i'm based out of actually the twin cities our league office is headquartered in chicago and okay i've um since i took over as commissioner i i kind of went back and forth and so i'm back at the home office so to speak so um hunkered down here with my crew and i got four kids and we're um, ready to pretty much um take each other out but the, the alternative is you know <laughs> you got to stay home so so i don't know we, um but anyway so yeah so we're hanging in there and we're wishing everybody obviously all the listeners to from your guys and yourselves that hopefully everyone's staying home and being safe yeah yeah absolutely and and so so you guys i mean you have already named an anderson cup winner right like you just yeah, I mean, right? what the heck, yeah. right? Metal just, uh, you know, <laughs> just go to do it. Just start handing out awards here. At least you have, you know, there there was some really positive stuff that happened in our league this year. And the Chicago Steel, you know, won the Anderson Cup. Unbelievable season. We had some rather yeah. really good teams. You know, Waterloo, Dubuque, um, you know, Omaha had some really good years. I mean, we had a lot of good teams this year, but obviously Chicago was standing at the top of the mountain here with the, you know, geez, a forty-one and seven record 
which yeah. is pretty outstanding. You know, eight, uh, 85% winning percentage. Um, a little other interesting tidbit ended uh, the season on the 13-game winning strike. Wow. Thank God for Brent Mishke, by the way, who gives me all my um, cheat sheets. But, is, he, um, is he feeding you stats? That's good. That's a, that's he a should good, be. Uh, I mean, theory. again, everyone who knows me knows I <laughs> can barely remember um, how to get into my house. But, uh, but yeah, the Steel had a wonderful year and well-deserving of the Anderson Cup. And unfortunately, we couldn't uh, continue it and award a Clark Cup champion. But um, they had a wonderful year and uh, they did a lot of wonderful things. And they're very deserving of the, the title as the top team in our uh, regular season. Um, and, and so I wanted to stick with Chicago. I find the Chicago Steel just fascinating on a lot of levels, and I haven't been able to dive into into do much on them just with all the NHL stuff. But um, first of all, kind of big news, for, you know, fairly recently is they get they they get a, a commitment, or I don't even know the phrasing to use from is it Adam Fantilli? Is that how you pronounce his yep. name? Yep, I think I sure hope so. That's what I say. So yeah, okay, good. that's and, what, yep. we're going to just say that, and hopefully the Fantilli family is okay with that. <laughs> and who was, if listeners don't know, he was projected to be the number one overall pick in the OHL draft. Is uh-huh. opting to go to the USHL uh, to play for the Chicago Steel. Like how how big a deal is that for you? Like that's that that seems like a pretty big deal. It's a huge deal. It's, yeah. I mean, we have a ton of respect for the OHL and the WHL and the Q and, and, and you know, and, and uh, Canadian hockey and um, all the leagues that are supporting that. Um, and, you know, it was a, it's a big deal for us. You know, we're, we're thrilled that a player of his status um, has decided to come and play in our league and um, we're looking forward to having him. And, you know, I, I think it really says a lot, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we have a, we have a pretty darn good league. And, you yeah. know, I think um, Chicago is, you know, really benefited um, as long as, you know, along with all the other teams in, in our league. We have a lot of great players on all the teams. And I think that's what you're starting to see is these players are, you know, coming from all different situations, you know, um, you know, whether from Canada or some European players. But, you know, because we're, you know, obviously predominantly we're, we're you know, American based league, but right. they're starting to see that you know, the path, you know, to where they want to finish can happen in our league. And I think he's a huge, um, yeah, a huge testament to all the hard work that our coaches and GMs and USA hockey and everybody's done to make our league really what it is. He's, he's Canadian, right? Like he's a Toronto. Kid. He is. Yep. He is. Yeah. Yep. So what was, what was that? What was that process like for, for you guys as a league? Like, is it, does that become a recruiting thing and you have to do a little bit of selling there? Well, again, I, I wasn't involved in it because if I was involved in it, he'd be staying in Toronto. Um, I, that's a joke. I, that's a joke. Um, yeah. I'm not known for my recruiting. You're not. That's not, that's not your strength, eh? <laughs> yeah, nor, did, nor do I ever get calls from teams asking me for help. Uh, but yeah. Again, you know, I, I believe the Chicago Steel, you know, the general manager, Ryan Harding, um, has done a great job there, as you can see by the Anderson Cup this year. And, yeah, they, they've had a lot of really good players come out of Chicago and, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, he'd be way more um, um, uh, um, be the guy to talk to about that. But I'm sure, yeah. you know, there were, I, like anything, I'm sure there was, you know, back and forth. And and uh, he, um, Adam, realized that, you know, Chicago was where he wanted to be. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, is there a comparable, like, f- over the last few years in terms of landing a player of this caliber that, that well, I mean, you, you got to look, you know, we, we have a unique situation because we, you know, we're, we're heavily 
we have an unbelievable partnership with USA Hockey and yeah. also with the NHL as well. But USA Hockey is a huge partner of ours. And they have the development program. You know, they have the 17s and 18s that right. play in our league. So, you know, Jack Hughes went number one last year. And I mean, you know, I, I mean, you could kind of go through that roster of players and kind of look at me, perhaps kids that might have, you know, um, gone the other way, right? Played, right. you know, sure. major junior and done something like that. But they've decided to stay um, in the States and play. Um, so, you know, um, without jumping into a bunch of names, I mean, you know, you know, you know, I, th- I think the majority of the players now are starting to look at, it's kind of a swing. And again, this is my opinion, right? So right. I think you're starting to see kind of a swing where, um, the college route is a good route to go. And, yeah. and if you come into our league, you know, a Jack Hughes can go number one and then go play, you know, the next year in the NHL. But, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a top end player, you can still come into our league play go play college for, you know, still be drafted, go play college for a year or two and then go on to professional hockey. And, you know, we have 98% or some crazy number of our players commit to division one hockey. So it's maybe more of a, maybe a different route that, that, you know, has been taken in the past. And I think people are starting to look at that as a real, you know, a really good way to do it. Yeah. It's no, I mean, I mean, I'm a college hockey guy. So I, like, I, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's just like, these weren't battles that were typically being won, right? Like this was, this would have been a no brainer, let's say 10 years ago for this kid to play in the OHL. So it's just, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and again, that's a real credit to our coaches, to be honest. We got great coaches. Yeah. We got great GMs. You know, we've got um, guys like PK O'Hanley who's been in the league forever and he's won more games than anybody. And just recently, you know, Scotty Owens, who left Sioux Falls, who retired, done a phenomenal job. And, yeah. you know, Mark Carlson and, you know, Terry Eads. And, you know, and I don't want to, you know, I shouldn't even mention names because there's so many great coaches, you know. Um, but, you know, I think that's a real testament to the way these kids are being developed, right? And yeah. obviously with USA Hockey and the development team there, it's a real testament to what our hockey people have done. Um, and, and then the owners follow suit because they're supporting that. So it's a collective effort, but I agree with you. I mean, again, I got in the league in 2012. I was the, you know, I ran the team for Sioux Falls and mm-hmm. I kind of joke, but I'm not really a hockey person and anybody who knows what would, would agree. And I've surrounded myself with some really good hockey people at yeah. the league level. Um, but even in 2012, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about it when I got involved. And then as I've seen between now and here we are 2020, just in the time that I've been in the league, I think there's been huge, huge, you know, um, um, things that have happened every year that is just really, you know, again, a lot of work by a lot of really good people. It, it it's it seems on some level I, I mean I know and you can't like you're not going to disparage the relationship with USA Hockey and the development team but that like if you disperse you talk about last year's team let's say for example if you disperse them amongst all your USHL franchises like that would be I think that would be a like a boon for your league like if it was set up like the OHL let's say where you could say okay hey we've got Alex Turcott playing in Sioux Falls or whatever now now you've got a little bit more star power like I, I, that's it's such a unique setup that I imagine on some level is a challenge you have to deal with too. Well, I'm not saying anything bad about U.S. hockey because I love you. No, of hockey. course. And, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's worked out great. Um, you know, from my perspective, it's worked out great. And, yeah. you know, um, obviously there's debates on all sorts of different things, but they've been unbelievable partners and they've been a huge part of our success um, and why we are where we're at. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, regardless of where those kids end up, all these other teams have gotten stronger. And there's sure. a lot of really, really good players on all the other teams. And, and I think that what's, you know, what makes our league really strong. 
So, uh, so yeah, and you mentioned you're not like a you don't you're not a, like a hockey guy, right? Like this, that's not your background, and kind of mm-hmm. came up through through the business side and, yep, the and marketing side. side. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what I find interesting is so you go to Sioux Falls, and now you you know you're charged with raising attendance and selling tickets on a product, and that we're talking almost ten years ago now. So it's you know still probably not where it is today. Like how how do you how do you sell this league, especially in that era and that time? Like, what was your yeah, strategy? Well, yeah, I mean, again, like, it, it's interesting, and this is what's really involved with our league, too, is when I first got in the league, and I'll be honest, I knew of it, but I didn't know a lot about it. And okay. so I had actually spent some time in the NHL with the Minnesota Wild and, you know, the Phoenix Coyotes or the Arizona Coyotes now. And, you know, I had worked in professional baseball with the Houston Astros. So I had worked yeah. at some big, some big teams, but I spent 10 years in the American League with two different franchises. And, um, so, you know, the reason for all that kind of background is I, you know, I kind of was used to, you know, you know, big, 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 big or bigger staff, you know, you'd have sales sure. people and ticketing people and sponsorship people and activation people and all these things, even at the American league, which, you know, I love, I'm a huge fan of the American league, but, um, and when I got to the USHL, it, teams weren't run that way. I mean, you, they were small, you know, you'd have one yeah. or two people, um, you know, when I walked in, you know, they had the, the team president did probably pretty much three or four different jobs and right. everybody was scattered thin and they didn't really pay well. And, you know, you weren't, you weren't really, you know, there wasn't really a lot of focus on moving seats and sponsorships and all those things that go along with it. But over the course of even when I was in the league and then now there's a lot more emphasis because, you know, expenses go up and, you know, to, to, to take care of the kids the way we want to take care of them from equipment to billets, to travel, to you name it to stay in the game to make sure this is an appealing league, you know, you've right. got to sell tickets, you got to sell sponsorships. So we've really, you know, we've really tried to up the ante and, and put standards in place that teams have to focus on that. And, you know, we still got a long way to go. I mean, we've had some teams that have a lot of success and we have teams that work at it really hard and still are, you know, still are, you know, haven't found the, the, the around the corner kind of thing yet. But the right. one thing I really enjoy about our league is it's, you know, we do have a couple big markets. We have Chicago, we have Omaha as a good sized market. You know, we've got Madison, Wisconsin, which is, you know, obviously within a college situation there too. But it's a very communal um, property. So I guess to answer, I think your first part was, you know, how did I do it when I got to Sioux Falls? I think I looked yeah. at it as it was a very communal thing. People wanted to be a part of it. The kids were in the market. They were going to the local high schools. They were somewhat right. like in Sioux Falls. Those players are treated like rock stars. I mean, right. it's a big, it's a big deal, right? Which I'm assuming, you know, is you know, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Canada, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the things I've read and seen, you know, the, those kids in those leagues are, you know, stars, right? Sure. And and um, so we still have that. I mean, and you know, so you get the local grocery guy that wants to buy a board and four season tickets and come on Saturday night with his wife and and have a nice night out. And I think that's really appealing. And it's still at an affordable level where sometimes you get into bigger sports that, you know, the price point really kind of, you know, kills you, right? It's yeah, tough to take right. you have a family of, you know, four out and not spend a ton. And um, so we have a unique niche. It's communal and we have a price point that I still think um, uh, fans relate to and want to come out and support. Still got a long way to go. We still have some teams that need to get better at what they're doing, but they're working at it. And we're putting a lot more energy into it. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it is interesting because you have these small teams that are community 
faced. But then Chicago, I mean, there's a lot of competition for eyeballs in Chicago, right? I mean, this is yeah. how do they do? Like in terms of in, well, in it's interesting because they run a really good uh, hockey operation, and you know, Dan Lev's a uh, very Dan Lev, who's their team president, is a yeah. is a, a very good operator. Um, you know, they struggle. They struggle to get fans in there, and you know they and they. I don't think they'd be mad at me for saying that. Sure, uh, they work their tails off. They've got a great staff. They got you know they do. If you saw what they do as far as how they promote themselves, and yeah, they, it's not by lack of effort. I'll tell you. But to your point, it's tough. I mean, to be in a be in a market where I don't know there might be a thousand other things to do on a weekend. Sure. You know, yeah. and um, and some of the other teams, then like Sioux Falls, doesn't run into that same thing, and there's still competition. So they they work hard at it. They 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 you know they they um they they have good moments where they have some really good crowds. But they I think think they would be comfortable with me saying that they still got a lot of work to do. Right, hockey but like side they're, they're no. the hockey like the hockey upside. It's they've almost become like to me like this fascinating case study. Right, like they're they're really progressive. It seems. And, and, you know, their use of development coaches and, and um, probably analytics and, and in terms of how they run things and you can see the success on the ice, it's, it's cool to see like, hey, we can experiment a little bit here, right? And do things that are outside the norm. Yeah. And, and again, I think when you look at even all the other teams now, um, it's a competitive side the hockey is, right? These guys want to win. Yeah. Right. It's about developing players, right? You know, from our brand perspective, it's about developing players and it's about, you know, getting them to the next level, whatever that next level is for that individual player. But these coaches want to win. They understand kind of the nuances of, you know, some kid might be here one year and then leave. And, you know, it's a constant kind of like kind of a revolving door. And Mm -hmm. I think all of the coaches in some size, shape or form have kind of adapted. So yeah, Chicago is definitely at the forefront of some of the things that they're doing creatively and, and ways to, you know, have an, you know, a competitive edge, but you know, they're not, they're not by themselves. There's a lot of sure. teams that are doing stuff that have bigger scouting departments now and are doing different things and using analytics. And, you know, and we provided, you know, I think, um, you know, when you look at um, how, from a league's perspective, some of the things that we've tried to provide, we have this company called Iceberg, which is this, um, you know, it's our official data and advanced analytics provider. And, you know, yeah. basically we're working with, you know, giving the teams resources to do things a little bit more efficiently and a little bit more um, 2020. Um, right. And so I'm rambling a little bit. But what I'm really trying to say is Chicago's doing a great job of it, but all the other teams are are getting to that point too, which really just helps the league. Right, right. So when when you use a, a company like Iceberg, that's that's league wide, right? That's Correct. everybody's getting has it. What kind of data do you guys provide? Well, I mean, again, you know, anything from you know, um, you know, um, advanced scouting reports. Um, I don't know everything. I mean, again, this is where, you know, I wish Evan Rand. Who <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Stuff. If I'm getting no, too in the like, weeds, you know, can tell me to pull back. Statistics yeah. Statistics and analytics yeah. and, you know, all the stuff that coaches are going to look at for their games, forthcoming matchup, looking at other players, yeah. um, you know, um, you know, you know, it's just, you know, even I, I'm looking at, that was funny because when you said that, I was like thinking of it like, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff on tracking players and the puck. And, right. you know, it, it's really like what the big teams are doing, like the NHL. We're trying to, you know, that's one thing with our relationship with the NHL is we're getting a lot of funding. So we have this unique relationship with USA Hockey and then the NHL. It's a three, three-headed three beast, so to speak. 
and yeah. they fund a lot of this for the league so that that can go out to the player or excuse me the coaches so mm-hmm. they can use all that information to develop the players better so you know they're providing us all the kind of the, the resources that they that they use and so but iceberg's the one that we focus on and um and you know statistics you know the various statistics and things like that and and um and really it's great i mean you know nowadays even some of the old school coaches you know they're the ones and they're using it and you know there's value right sure um, so that's what you know that's you know iceberg is what we use and i'm sure they're going to never ask me to be one of their celebrity endorsers um to um, <laughs> tell their product not that i'm a celebrity i'm just saying they're never going to be asking me to do a testimonial uh, for them so so you uh, you you took over in what 2018 i want to say yeah yeah, that sounds about right. I remember it might not. I don't know if that was the opening. I remember when the job was open, and I remember I was talking to somebody who was either approached or like interested in it. And they're like, "Boy, if I if I did do this, I would try to turn that league upside down and and you know implement crazy rules just to draw attention and you know right. you know kind of old school minor league hockey mentality." Yeah, yeah, yeah. How like how much freedom to like do your own thing, but you're also but to I guess create attention and marketing and that sort of thing versus, hey, we have to actually develop kids to go and play college hockey and NHL and professional hockey so we can't be a three-on-three league. Like, how do you balance that? You know, yeah, well, again, I'm trying to think. Did you say I started in 2019? You're trying to think. I, well, I started, it'll be, be two full years in June. Okay. So that would be 18. And then I started six months before that as an interim. Okay. So I've actually been on, you know, whatever. I just wanted to make sure I didn't say something incorrect. But anyway, um, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. We we have a we have a board meeting twice a year. We have one during the during um, which this year was the All American Game. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was on the. Oh, uh, I was there at the one in Plymouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, previous we used to call it the top prospect, but we work with USA Hockey and combined their event and our event. I thought it went off really, really well, and um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and we have a meeting then, and then we have a meeting in the summer. We were going to have it in Montreal this year, but. And when they canceled the drafts, um, so we're going to probably end up, I'll try to, you know, as you can tell by my technology background, I'll have to try to work Zoom. So the, that meeting <laughs> probably will never happen. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I, I think we try to, the things we try to focus on are things to make our game, you know, better. Um, I don't know if we're looking to try to you know, turn things upside down necessarily that, you know, um, to try to do something that's going to, um, necessarily, you know, be a gimmick or, you know, I'm, I'm not saying right. that that's what that person meant. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, I, I don't think we're looking to be gimmicky. I don't think we're looking to be, um, you know, kind of like get our names on ESPN because we're doing something. I think we look at right. everything very strategically. And it's again, it's, you know, because again, you got to remember, I mean, you know, this, we have 16 to 20 year old kids. So I right. think what we're trying to do is look at ways to make them better hockey players through development. So the things we focus more on are safety initiatives, you know, things about, you know, um, you know, we, we went out and um, hired a guy named Dennis LaRue who had a bunch of, you know, over a thousand games as an NFL referee and he's our mm-hmm. player safety person. And so we've really tried to look at ways to keep the kids safer, um, you know, focus on, you know, um, travel so they're not getting beat up so much because, you know, only having them on buses. You know, just we're trying to do more things for the player to develop on and off the ice 
than yeah. necessarily coming up with like, hey, we're going to do on three on three and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. <laughs> right. But but all that stuff is open for discussion. So we have a really good relationship with our GMs. They might differ. They might disagree. <laughs> yeah, but right, at least right. from our perspective, we think we do. And we're always open to listening to what they want to do. But, you know, when we when we get in those board meetings, you know, we talk about more ways to, um, again, really more ways to entice players to want to play in our league. And right. that's through development and safety and, you know, things that they know they're going to get to go on to the next level. USA Hockey and the NHL have never approached us because I know when I spent some time in the American League, the American League would try out new rules and stuff like that, you know, kind of on behalf right. of the NHL. That was, I was going to wonder that. Like, is there is it like, hey, do you mind, uh, why don't you test out, you know, two-on-two two or something ridiculous just to... Oh, we'd look. listen to it. I mean, again, right. we'd, we, I mean, we totally listen, but they haven't had those chats with us yet. And so right now, the things, you know, we try to, you know, we're really trying to focus on is ways to make these players better players and right. you know and and um i think so we approach it from that perspective i mean you're right like it's got to be about player development and to me i would go so into the extreme of like high-end skill because that's where everything is going like mm-hmm. that like because it used to be you'd hear like usa ushl it would be like hey this 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 kid scored you know x amount of goals for, mm-hmm. for the ushl that's really really good right because right. it was yep. such a, a hard league to score in and I'm, you know, as everything evolves, you, you know, that that's where I would. Focus. I'd be like, okay, let's tweak everything so we're this high octane, high skill, you know, league. Not, not that yeah. you want my advice. No, I do. I mean, it's good to hear because <laughs> if, if we decide to do that, then of course, being the, being the good commissioner, I'm going to take full credit for it. <laughs> but no, I think I, I, I agree, and I, you know, again, when we, um, you know, the development really doesn't even stop with our players because part of it is. Being a development league, you know, we look at how do we make our officials better, right? Because right, the things right. I get the most complaints about from our owners, two things, officials <laughs> and, right, of course. and schedule, official and mm-hmm. schedule. Those are the two mm-hmm. biggest things where, you know, I, when my phone rings on a Sunday morning, you know, I, I, I try to hide or, you know, during the summer when we're going <laughs> through our schedule, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I can't take vacation because I'll spend half the time just getting yelled at by an owner. Um, right. So, but, you know, but what we, you know, we look at like, um, you know, we, again, we want the league to be a league, you know, from a, from a fan's perspective, we want it to be fun and exciting. And you're, you're right, you know, having great players out there and they're seeing a skill level that, you know, they've never seen before. And that helps, yeah. you know, that helps on the business side. From a hockey perspective side, you're, I agree with you, that's where the game's going. And so the more we can work with, you know, there's, there's all sorts of moving pieces on that, right? So from our officials to our head coaches, to our assistant coaches, to our scouts, to the different resources we're giving all those, you know, it all kind of has to work together to kind of get yeah. to the level you want to. And I know that like, um, you know, you know, working, uh, you know, um, with all the different things and different programs that we've been doing, that's really starting to help us. Oh, that's interesting. So you mentioned the owners, what, and I know there's some some players involved. Like I know there's you know some GMs or former GMs. Like what mm-hmm. what is a typical owner of these teams? Uh, they're absolutely insane. They have to be. In, no, <laughs> I'm, I joke. Um, yeah, yeah. Before I even became, you know, I was actually. Uh, I can honestly say I'm. I think I might be. I gotta be careful. I don't know about what Gino did, but I'm one. I'm actually a commissioner that actually put money into this league. I actually was an owner, and I. Oh, you not were. Sweat, That's right. Oh yeah. Okay. Not sweat, that was part of Sioux Falls. Actually, uh, yeah, in Madison. So I've seen okay. the best of it and the worst of it. God love you know, Ryan Suter's a dear friend of mine, so he won't be too bad at me, other than the fact of getting him involved in it. Um, so, um, 
our owners are great. We got a really good group. We have different groups. Like we know, I think in the past, you know, the league was a little bit more, um, you know, you know, X amount of teams and every guy, you know, there was an individual that owned the team and, you know, okay. we still had that, but you know, we've got, you know, um, you know, we've got kind of consortiums now. So, you know, we have individual owners, you know, but we also have groups of, you know, a handful of guys that got together that have different, you know, different appetites for being involved. And, and, um, you know, we've, you know, we've really, we've really focused pretty diligently on trying to bring in the right people into our league. And we've actually brought in some really smart guys and we brought in yeah. some really, really progressive guys. And, and again, you know, you can't kind of get to where we're at right now without having, you know, guys sitting at the table that, you know, want to discuss some of the points you brought up that want to discuss ways to make our businesses better, you know, make our game better. So, you know, the, the typical owner in our league is just somebody that has a passion for the game. And, and I, I really, I really applaud our owners. I've really seen a lot out of them in the last couple of two, three weeks with this whole situation with the coronavirus. Yeah. And I've been pretty proud to say that uh, the, the group of guys we have. I would just have a bunch of um, billionaire hedge fund managers as owners. Yeah, well, I wish I, I wish I was one of them. <laughs> because, yeah, well, trust me, I think even those guys are probably not uh, very happy, you know, yeah. with everything oh, going right. on. And but yeah, I mean, it's it's um, you know um, you know we we still are in a I think a um, trying to think the right term for. You know, there is a there is a good expense to be involved in one of these teams, right? right. And yeah. uh, without getting into specifics, for, you know, deal with uh, confidentiality, but there is. And so, yeah, you want to have the right people that can sustain like what we're going through right now. And what this right. has shown is that we do have the right people and we are being able to get through this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got a whole different kind of um, array of different folks that are involved. And, um, you know, so far, so good. How and you can always tell me to stop, um, stop asking. Sure. But how, like, how much if I was to buy? Because I'm in Mich Michigan, the Muskegon Lumberjacks. What would that run me? Well, again, um, that would be an individual conversation with each owner. Okay, you know, I mean, yeah, I right. mean, again, we don't. I, I, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable just because I, I, you'd be talking to a new commissioner tomorrow. <laughs> um, right, you know, but when these are still, did the numbers come out like when when there's a new owner or like yeah, I'm just curious, like yeah, the value of one of these franchises. Not, you know, that's proprietary. Okay, so All yeah, right. internally we have those conversations, but really, you know, I mean, again, if you're talking to the Sioux Falls Stampede, I'm assuming that their their value might be higher than the Muskegon Lumberjacks. You know, we right. don't have a universal valuation yet. We're working toward that, um, but you know, our teams have definitely gone up. In valuation and we have you know we have a lot of interest which i'm sure all the other leagues do too but you know we've had people that's one thing too during the course of my two plus years doing this i'm yeah. just in that inundated not the right word but once you know once or twice a month someone's calling me about putting the team somewhere getting involved with our league and that's a real yeah. credit to what these guys have done um well it's fat like i i know our what i see in our end at, at the athletic in the interest in prospects is off the charts. Like mm -hmm. we can't, I can't, we can't write enough about, you know, an, a kid like Adam Fantilli or, or whoever, like whoever the next, you know, and, and I just, I feel like that's such an emerging market in leagues like your own is like, there's as people, as these are televised and as people realize how quickly they're making an impact at the NHL level, like that becomes a value, you know? Yeah. And I think the interesting thing too, and again, you know, from a business perspective, when I look at our league, we still haven't done a lot of things that we need to do. 
So we don't really okay. have, you know, we have a good, you know, a really good relationship with hockey TV. So we stream our games, but you know, yeah. we don't have that, you know, uh, media presence related to, you know, um, TV and we're, we're right. working on that. So that's why that game with, um, in Plymouth was such a big deal for us. And I think, you know, I had a lot of people from all over the U S that called and watched it and said, wow, that was really cool. Right. Right. And right. You know, we, you know, it's interesting. I, I was talking to someone at USA hockey one day and they made a So we, we are getting again, like everything I always say to everybody, this whole thing's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. Yeah. And, and so you got to kind of build the foundation and I think we're doing those things right now. So, there's a lot of things that we, because I agree with you, these prospects, and it's amazing how there's so much interest in these kids, and and not only from a professional rank, but you know now you know our kids, you know their next step more than likely is Division One college hockey. So then you get right. all these college hockey enthusiasts that are looking at all these kids and going from there, and so we we have to kind of take advantage of that either through you know digital or you know um, you know broadcast, um, but we have to start doing some things that you know we can, you know, manage that and do a better job of. So those are some things on the horizon for me looking at trying to do to really, you know, um, take advantage of exactly what you just said. Mm, that's, that's fascinating. Let me interrupt this chat with Tom for one second to tell you about my friends at the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know that the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? Turns out they aren't alone in this situation. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. Or another one. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. So whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. So if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code FULL60. That's blacktux.com, code FULL60 for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Okay, I want to get into your your path a little bit because um, you did mention your time in you know Cincinnati and in mm -hmm. Minnesota and and even with with the Astros. Um, mm -hmm. it, so so like how far back? So you you had a, a marketing company is a Quan Sports. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Still, well, I still do. I don't run it. Oh, I you have still the guy. Yeah, he, he he runs it into the ground. I could have ran it into the ground way quicker than he did, but he does. <laughs> he, does he does. He won't listen to this, so that's why I'm saying that. Yeah. So he, he does. So is that how, like, how, like, what was your kind of foray into the business side of sports? Because I know a lot well, of you, people listen to this and they're like, boy, I would, you know, I'm doing whatever, but I would love to, like, yeah. figure out. Well, I won't bring it too much, down. but I have a, I actually, you know, laugh. So I actually started how I got into the business was I'd come out of college. I'm from Wisconsin. I'd come out of yeah. college. I moved to the Twin Cities and I actually started selling tickets straight commission for the Minnesota North Stars. Wow. And that's how I started. So Norm Green was the owner. 
um, you know, came in, um, you know, right after they went to the cup and against Pittsburgh and started working and selling tickets and then went with the team to Dallas, you know, my, yeah. and my, my claim to fame was I was sitting in the office and a TV crew came in and I was, you know, just this straight commission sales guy sitting there and the guy's like, can I, you know, can I video you? We're doing a story on it. The stars are going to move. And I'm online or I'm on air saying there's, you know, a guy calls up on cue and I'm like, nope, we're business as usual. And the next day they announced they're moving <laughs> they <down. gone. laughs> Yeah, so, so trust me, uh, not a whole lot of credibility coming out of TG. But anyway. Um, That's funny. And, and, and I, I didn't know until it actually came out. But then I went to Dallas. And then, you know, I um, I kind of bounced around a little bit because, you know, my foray was I, I wanted to advance, right? So I wanted to learn yeah. more about the business. So I went from tickets to sponsorship to management to all this kind of stuff. And kind of to jump ahead, I became the president of the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks in the American League. Loved the American League. Yeah. And then subsequently um, went to Houston. Um, you know, the Wild had purchased the Arrows, and I'm from, you know, my wife and I are from, you know, I'm from Wisconsin, she's from South Dakota, but we met in the Twin Cities. So our plan was to kind of try to get back up here. And yeah. so I went to Houston and ran that team, and then the Wild brought me up, and um, I started doing, you know, I did, you know, the, I mean, are you guys, are you guys in Canada? Or no, where are you at? I, I mean, everywhere. I'm based out of Detroit. We're, okay, so, yeah. well, they owned a, a indoor lacrosse team in the National Lacrosse League called okay. the Minnesota Swarm, and now they're in Georgia. But anyway, so they they like, hey, you know, you ran the Arrows, and could, so could you run the Arrows? Could you do this indoor lacrosse team? And then I oversaw corporate sales and suites for the big team, the Wild. Yeah. And um, everyone always goes, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, and they just, you know, they, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't paid a lot. No, I'm, I'm, you know, I should be careful because <laughs> right. the wild might listen to that. I love the wild. Yeah. Love the wild. No, but no, all kidding aside. So then I did that. And then I started this company. And um, one of my biggest clients was the NBA. So I worked with the NBA. And then um, if I'm boring, you can just hang up on me. No, well, like, then, I feel like you're flying through. The, the one thing I wanted to ask, so, I mean, you, you're selling tickets on commission. And then next thing you know, you're the president of it's the Cincinnati HL team. Like what was what was your kind of strategy to, to get to that to that point? Yeah, well, it took a while. You know, I mean, like I said, yeah. I went from there. I won't bore you. I mean, I was at the University of Minnesota. So kind of in sports, like when you're a younger person, you have two options. You can either kind of yeah. stick with an organization and kind of just, you know, go with the ebbs and flows of it. And I've got a lot of buddies who've done that that are now VPs and presidents of teams. And, you know, they've been there. That's for a grind years. though. You better be ready to sit yeah. and put in 40 years. Yeah. And I'm a little bit more, as you can tell, a little ADD. So I, <laughs> yeah. I had to have some kind of new challenge within a couple of years. I had kind of yeah. a quick, quick shelf life. Hopefully that's not the case here, but um, <laughs> anyway, it won't be my choice, but, um, but, uh, um, but yeah, so, you know, I kind of, you know, I got, like I said, I kind of got into it and like when I talk to people about sports business, I'll say, listen, you got to determine, do you want a job? Or do you want a career? And I know that mm -hmm. sounds really cliche and cheesy, but you can have a job in sports where you just come in, punch the clock, do your thing. I kind of right. came in and I just wanted to be a sponge. I wanted to learn about everything. And the yeah. interesting thing during that kind of tutorial was, I remember, and, you know, um, it was interesting, but a, a pretty high-end hockey person when I was with the North Stars told me, you know, 
you gotta you gotta kind of be you know business and hockey or church and state right mm-hmm. so you don't need to be you know you know you handle your business we'll handle ours right, right so I've always right. kind of led that way so when I say I'm not a hockey person I you know I'm not I'm not gonna no one's ever gonna call me up and say who should I pick or how should I right, run this right. or that but I've just always been like I need to do my job and I'll hire people that know how to do that job. And you go, yeah. you go and do that job. So that kind of helped me along the way. And then, you know, I got into where I did. I bounced from city to city. And I, you know, took on more responsibility, took on things that might be, you know, people wouldn't do. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, you know, I kind of, as I migrated, you know, I lived in San Francisco and Portland, Oregon. And, and then finally I got to Cincinnati with the American Hockey League team. And, you know, I was president and I oversaw the arena. And it was challenging. It was a really tough gig, but you just work through it. You know, you start to kind of get, you know, more and more experience and more and more um, um, abilities to handle different situations. And then really other doors start to open. So how I got to Houston, which was interesting, was I actually was up for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks president's job. Right. So I'm the president of the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. Yeah. And they're looking for a team president. And so. Um, they called uh, David McNabb, who's I still think still there. Yeah, he's still was, there. Brian Burke was the GM at the time, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, and Mike Babcock was our coach. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to ask you that. Did you? Yeah. You must have been. That must have been around the same time as Babcock. Oh yeah, Mike Bab. I know Mike really well, yeah. and uh, he was he was great. And so he he was the coach, and then so they kind of said to me like, "Hey, you know, do you want to apply for this job?" And I was like, "Sure, why not." thinking I'm never going to get it, right? Well, anyway, I ended up being the final three, but I knew I wasn't going to get it. And this is a tip to anyone listening about this, is that if they fly through to a, a different city to get there and not direct, you're probably not their first choice. So <laughs> I was thinking That's to myself, I'm going to go through Dallas to go, yeah, probably not their number one choice. So, but nonetheless, uh. I was flattered and I went out and I did the whole thing. But one of the guys who was one of the finalists is now the commissioner of the WCHA, a guy named Bill Robertson. I don't know if you know Bill. Yeah, you know, you, yeah, Billy's a buddy of mine, and and so he's sitting there. He was in walk. Minnesota, wasn't he, or Arizona? Yeah. I've lost track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was yeah. with the Wild. He was a VP. That's right. That's right. The Wild, and now he's the WCHA commissioner. So anyway, so I walked in to see Mike Mike Babcock because he was having wasn't up yet for my interview, and as I walked in, I saw Billy, and he's sitting there in a suit, and I go, oh, I wonder what you're doing here, <laughs> you know, sweats or something, a ball cap on. He goes, what are you doing here? And we we started laughing. Well, neither one of us got it. But then yeah. that got me. Then he called me up and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna buy the arrows. Would you want to come and be our president?" And so, you know, I guess that the re- purpose of that story that's kind of how my kind of migrated. So I went and did that, and then I got up, and and then after the with the wild, they were fantastic to me, and they are fantastic to me. I'm a huge fan of the wild. Um, you know, um, I started this company, and then. And then the interesting part was I was work doing all this work, but I really missed the team side of it, right? Because even yeah. though I'm kind of an entrepreneur at heart, I really miss the day to day grind. And and then the Houston Astros called because I'd spent all my all that time in Houston, right? So I knew all the yeah. people. And Pam Gardner, who was the president, called and said, "Hey, you know, would you want to come down and take this gig?" And and that was probably the only time I kind of took a vanity job, right? I kind of went, "Oh my god, you know, this is gonna be great." And I had a big office right. and all these kinds of things, and. I kind of lost my way a little bit and I got in there and, you know, it was great. People were awesome. You know, this is, you know, before, you know, you know, we were kind of coming out of the Clemens era before they, you know, before Jim Crane bought it from the, yeah. I worked for Drayton McLean. And, um, 
it just, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't a great fit and I wanted to get back into my business. So then I went, um, got back into my company and then a buddy of mine was running the Arizona Coyotes, the Phoenix Coyotes at the time during their bankruptcy with the National Hockey League. So he yeah. called and said, hey, would you come and oversee all of our sales? And Who so that, I if you don't mind me asking? A guy named Mike Neely. Okay. And Mike Neely now is the executive director of the Fiesta Bowl. So okay. Mike, yeah, Mike's done really well for himself. And so he, you know, he's a Minnesotan. He was at the Wild when I was there. He's the CFO. So then I, for a couple of years, just commuted back and forth as they tried to sell the team. And, mm-hmm. you know, they had a bunch of guys kicking the tires. And then, you know, um, after, so my last year was when we went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Where they got beat by the Kings and the Kings won the cup that year. And then after a couple of years, I'm like, hey, um, I got another mad Bob Nagley Jr. Who was my, he and his father were my first boss at the Wild before Craig bought it. He called up and said, hey, we're putting a group together to buy a junior hockey team and a minor league baseball team. And they mm-hmm. said, would you be interested? But we want you to move there to kind of get it back up and running because there's a lot of work to get it going again. And I was like, uh, where's it at? And they kind of hesitated and they said Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And like dead silence, right? Thinking like that would yeah. be the deal breaker. Right, right. And I and I'm like, my wife's from Sioux. My wife's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So I'm wow. like, I'll do it for sure. That's and, amazing. And that's and that's how I got in the league. And then, you know, I was in the league and you know, and then after, you know, a while, you know, the they had a you know, um they had an opening and they just said, Hey, would you do it for um you know, an interim basis until we find somebody. And I think a bunch of people turned them down. They must have. <laughs> and then they came back, <laughs> I don't know and about they that. Came back, they came back to me uh, and said, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Because I really love the league. I, I love the yeah. people and I love the league. Yeah. And, and I, I love everything it stands for. So it's it's been fun. So that's kind of my boring. No, I love kind that. kind of my deal. Oh. I, I, you know, and hopefully people can learn from some of that stuff. What I'm fascinated by was your comment that you felt like you you lost your way a little bit in taking the Astros job, and it yeah. was driven by vanity. Like, what? Can you take me through that thought process? Like, I'm, 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 I'm like that's curious to me. Yeah, I've always been like, if you met me, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not your typical, uh, you know, um, you know, I'm just not bad or good. I'm just. You know, I'm just, I'm not like a typical corporate type of, you know what I mean? Like, even yeah, sure. when I've worked for bigger teams, I've always had more of a minor league mentality, right? And, <laughs> right. and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I have a lot of respect for what everybody's at those levels. Amazingly smart and talented people. I just never felt like I fit in. Even when I was with the Wild, I never really felt like I fit in. Yeah. Um, when I did the Coyotes thing, I felt better because it was more of a consultant coming in and I could be myself and I could kind of speak freely and I could, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and so when I got down to Houston, so I had this company and I wanted to have my own company and I wanted to do Quan, you know, the name of Quan is after the movie, right? Community love. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to do this whole idealistic thing of I'm going to work with people that need my help. I'm going to do it. And right. I'm going to do a good right. job and I'm going to take on projects. And other people don't want to do it. And I'm not going to gouge people, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the right things. And I got down to Houston, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, we'd like to bring in a senior VP of sales and marketing. And yeah. they walked me into this big office, and they're like, this would be it, and blah 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 blah. And I kind of sat there, and I'm like, I don't know if it was something like I felt like I never got before at the other places, even though they all treated me great. But right. I was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And then I got there, and you know what? It, it just wasn't. It wasn't a good fit. Great yeah. people, loved everybody. They were super nice to me. 
not a single negative thing to say. Sure. But I kind of felt like I just didn't belong there. Yeah. And, and I should have just stuck with what I was trying to do. So really like even what I'm doing now, you know, I'm actually, it's the perfect place for me. It's like, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy, you know, it's weird, but I've walked out into crowds of 20,000 people packed out, you know, like with the wild back in the day when I was there, we didn't have a hard time selling anything. Right. Right. And you kind of would walk out and you didn't feel like a part of it. And I've walked out of places in our league where there's 2000 people there and I can see all these people stoked and happy and they're working their tails off. And I have more, more gratitude for that than I did maybe in some of these other spots. Wow. That's, uh, that's great. I love that. Um, do you, like sometimes people feel like they have to have done it just to get that off. Like, did you, do you feel that way about the Astros experience? Like you, you almost had to do that. So you know, you didn't have to do that. Does yeah, that make sense? I mean, yeah. I mean, again, like, you know, our business is like anything else, you know, you know, there's, there's competitiveness, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah. you know, there's sometimes where you're looking at your buddies because all my buddies are in the business and we all have different right. degrees of what's going on. And, you know, I kind of looked at it like, and again, they're, they're great. They're a great brand, right? You know, I know they've right. had some moments here recently, but you know, I mean, and you know, Hey, I'm not saying anything. I don't know anything about it, but you know, I'm just, you know, I think I looked at it like, um, you know, I need to do this to see if, you know, if I could be a president of a, an, an MLB team, right. Or mm-hmm. could, you know, could I ever run an NHL team? And yeah, I don't know. It was just like, I, I use the term vanity because you know, I think, you know, sometimes you do want to be up there where you think you should be. Right. Right. And then, right. and then I kind of just finally realized that, you know, I'm like what I'm doing now, this is exactly where I need to be. Yeah. Um, were you able to learn anything from baseball that you have transferred over to hockey? Like I know a lot of GMs that study with like kind of the, the NBA GM in their town or whatever, just to kind of steal some concepts or ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot. I mean, we had a lot of really good, again, that's the one thing I will say, like anybody who wants to be in sports or work in sports, there's so many smart people. I mean, there's just so many smart people. I've always had a ton of respect for the people at the NPA working with Bill Daly and Kevin Westgarth and the guys at the NHL. Just again, we did this thing in Boca three weeks ago with, you know, everybody from David Branch, Hockey Canada, USA Hockey. You just sit in the room and you're like, holy buckets of their smart people. Yeah, and yeah. and so that that you know, and so when I was in Houston, um, you know what I really learned, which is interesting, it, it's baseball is a world, it's a super big grind, right? Because the season's so long. <laughs> right. So right. you know, I would sit there and you'd have ten game homestands, right? So you'd have to be selling game after game after game after game after game. There was never kind of a break where you could take a deep breath, and that's <laughs> really helped me sell hockey less games but in the junior league you know junior you know it's predominantly weekend so when teams have called and go how do i sell friday saturday sunday how do i do that you know i can help them right and we can you know you can kind of carve up the season in different ways and you know promotional things and using different resources because even on the hockey side there's a lot of things going on now on the sports side that you know are really great with retention and analytics and you know, learning how to sell more efficiently instead of just kind of the old days where they threw a phone book at you and said sink or swim. And, you know, so, you know, I learned a ton, um, a ton of how to deal with, you know, crunch time, you know, back to backs, you know, how do you handle your marketing? How do you handle your sponsorships? How do you, how do you sell your groups? All those types of different things that I really try to integrate with our teams right now. And, Mm. um, so yeah, I learned a lot. 
Um, I, and wrapping up here, you, you mentioned you're starting your business, and I, I'm in, interested to hear that. Like, you know, typically you start a business and you want it to make a bunch of money and, and uh-huh. be rich and and all yep. that, and then retire on a yacht. That's my approach, anyways. Yeah. Why, exactly. why was it important to you? Like, okay, I want to help kind of the underdog. I want to, you know, not you know, gouge people. Like, why why was that part of the equation for you? Well, I, I think, and again, I, I'm more than willing to gouge people now. So if anyone's <laughs> listening, um, <laughs> if you want to be gouged, call my guy. He'll be more than happy to. No, I, again, it, it's a weird deal. I grew up in a small town, and okay. I don't know how you how things affect you in your life. You know, me and that you're asking, but my dad was a small town doctor, right? And as okay. I grew up, I, I would go on house calls with him. I mean, that's how like we would be on house calls, and I just had, had this affinity. And it's not making me, you know, any, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, God, you know, I'm a better person or whatever. Right. Trust no, me, no. I wanted to make money. But yeah. I looked at it like I just had a stronger affinity of trying to help people get better at something than, you know, um, and I just kind of looked at, you know, people don't want to, you know, it's kind of weird. I mean, when I first got in the business, the minor leagues were kind of thumb their nose at, right? And right. if you were working for, you know, junior hockey, you know, really, why would you be doing that? You yeah. know, and, and, and so that's kind of, you know, that's the way it was. I'm not saying that that's not the way it is now. It's definitely evolved. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to get into places where I could make a difference and not be a piece of something. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. That's great. All right. Last thing. I, I, yeah. One of the things I always ask people what they're reading. And I think now, especially as we all have maybe a little bit more time, are you are you a voracious reader or are you are just like, what do you do to get better to improve it, what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big reader. I should be. Um, the last thing that I read, and actually it's sitting on my thing. It's a weird deal. It, it's, it was a book. I'm pulling it out. You probably can hear it. I read a yeah. book called Paul and Me. It's about, I don't know if you read this. But it's a book about Paul Newman and his buddy for like 40 or 50 years and how they started, they started like the salad dressing company. Yeah, right, right. All that kind of stuff. And, you know, again, they were very, they were very philanthropic and very, you know, again, very community based and wanted to do all these things and just this really unique relationship and how they approached everything. Again, um, it wasn't always about the almighty buck. It was about just doing something that they were proud of and, and then yeah. trying to incorporate that into, you know, making some some dollars, but also doing what's right for the community. So that really resonated with me. So it's called Paul and Me. It's a cool book. And then, you know, I, I read a lot. Um, you know, it's weird. I get a ton of stuff from LinkedIn. I don't know if you're connected to LinkedIn, but I, I mean, all I do is accept requests. Like once a month, I go in and hit, okay, all right, yes. Yeah. And I and log out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, again, like, right, especially right now during the whole uh, COVID 19 thing. Yeah. The thing that's been fantastic is just the people and the resources and everything. So I'm reading a lot now about trying to do things that help our teams. So everything right. of how to apply for some of the funding, to mm-hmm. um, how to manage people from home, you know, how to help people that you might have to furlough how to tie in mm. the community stuff. And the thing is I recommend, you know, for at least, you know, the short deal of time, you know, um, you know, if you're looking at your, from a sports perspective, it's definitely, um, you know, I, I'm looking at LinkedIn a lot just to get information on ways to help our teams and to help, you know, even morale and to keep people up and, you know, and leadership from a board perspective. And those right. are the things that I'm getting. What's what's his, any advice that you've picked up there in this? I'm sure people, you know, that you can pass on in terms of keeping morale or even if it's just working from home. 
right now you have to, what I'm really trying to do is this is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Right. Yeah. And this whole thing right now is beyond words. It's nothing to take lightly. It's nothing to kind of, you know, make light of. Um, but I just believe that we're going to come out stronger, Mm. you know, and we're going to have to. And so the things that I'm really getting from a lot of this stuff is to try to resonate that, you know what, um, some of the stuff is out of our control, but what, what we can control is the effort and the, and the, and be solution based. And even yeah. if it doesn't feel like there's solutions, you got to try to have some type of a thought process every day of getting up, taking a deep breath and, you know, again, trying to help people. And I've always approached right. it that way. So that's what I'm really getting out of it now. And, you know, just trying to look at this, that hopefully in the fall, you know, I don't think we're going to be completely back to normal. I don't know if that's ever going to be used, at least in the short term. But right. hopefully we are playing hockey. And, and you know, we just, you know, like right now, that's one thing I love about what we do is, you know, we are, you know, that's the thing that's so crazy right now because sports is such a, a national thing or, I mean, a global thing. And it's such a great distraction when you're having a bad day at work or you're having right. A, right. a crappy whatever. And now that's gone. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the time where we can be that good distraction again and people can get away for a couple hours and just forget about their their whatever their issue is and just enjoy watching a bunch of great hockey players have fun. Awesome. Well, Tom, thanks a lot for doing this. This was a fun yeah, conversation. Yeah, sorry and for rambling. But no, yeah, not too. at all. It was yeah. awesome. All right. Awesome. All right, be good. All right. Thanks. You too. Take care. I want to thank Tom Garrity for joining the podcast. I, Tom and I have never met. That was our first conversation, and I am truly looking forward to the day, uh, hopefully not too far off in the future, where we can be back in a rink together, maybe in Plymouth, watching uh, the development team or whatever, and, and just catch up. And he seems like a, a fun guy, an energetic guy, somebody we all can learn a lot from. So thanks a lot, Tom, for, for doing that. Um, a couple things before we wrap up. One, I would encourage you to check out my friend Scott and Pierre's podcast, Two Man Advantage. They had Wayne Gretzky on last week, Justin Williams this week. Great conversations there. Um, number two, uh, if you are a fan of this podcast, I just noticed that the last review on Apple Podcasts was somebody that was really mad for some reason about the Dallas Aikens um, interview that they said it was it put them to sleep. So I don't like that. It drives me crazy when the last review is one of an unhappy listener. So if you are a fan of the podcast, you have one second to go leave a review. So I don't have to stare at that one and, and bruise my ego every time I check it in. Um, I would greatly appreciate that. And third, I would love to, again, dedicate this space to you guys like we did last week um, to subscribers. So I'll send out an email for request to anybody who's a listener who wants to just share a message during these times or maybe promote a business or a charity or something. So I'm going to send out an email again later this week and we'll we'll run that back at the end of the podcast. Next week I've got we already have our guests lined up. Really excited about next week's podcast. Um if you don't subscribe to the email, probably the easiest way is either to shoot me an email, Craig at theathletic.com. I'll get you on the list or just go to my website, CraigCustins.com, and you can sign up there. That is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to Tom for joining the podcast, and have a great week.